Hello, everyone, and welcome to the June 7th edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Scarin, and Kelly. Let's get started with our litigation report. A WCAB and bank decision has declared that a section of the new QME regulations, which limits the rights of an employer to a QME panel after an injury is denied to be invalid. The DWC enacted brand new QME regulations back in February of 2009. Section 30 of these new regulations has caused much concern as it prevents an employer that has already denied an industrial injury from obtaining a QME panel on the issue of medical compensability. Section 30D3 states that after a denial of the claim, only an employee may request a QME panel on the issue of compensability. This provision was the focus of the NBank decision of Mendoza versus Huntington Hospital. Here's what happened. Mendoza's claimed injuries were timely denied by Sedgwick Claims Management Service for reasons other than medical causation. Several months later, the treating physician wrote a report finding medical causation of the industrial injury. After receiving this PTP report, the employer commenced the medical legal process by offering to go to an AME to determine medical compensability. The case was then set on a priority conference where work comp judge Zamudio granted the employer the right to obtain a QME panel. The applicant filed a petition for removal of the case to the WCAB claiming that Judge Zamudio exceeded the provisions of Section 30 of the new QME regulations by allowing the employer to obtain a panel since injury had already been denied. The DWC was asked to file a brief in the case setting forth their arguments in support of Section 30 of the regulations they wrote. As a general rule of law, an agency that promulgates regulations cannot exceed or conflict with statutory language contained in legislative enactments. Government Code Section 11342.2 provides that no regulation adopted is valid or effective unless it is consistent and not in conflict with the statute. The WCAB concluded that QME Rule 30D3 is invalid because it conflicts with Labor Code Sections 4060C and 4062.2 and exceeds the scope of Section 5402B. Those sections, when read together, specifically provide that either party may make a QME panel request any time after the filing of a claim. It is not clear if applicant will further appeal this NBank decision. If the decision becomes final, then employers need no longer be concerned with the limits on obtaining a QME panel specified by Section 30 of the QME regulations. The WCAB issued a second NBank decision this month that clarified and limited the role of the Disability Evaluation Unit. Here's what happened in the NBank case of Blackledge versus Bank of America. Cynthia Blackledge sustained an admitted industrial injury when she slipped while descending a flight of stairs. 
NAME David Pechman, MD, issued a report that found the whole person impairment to be 10%. The work comp judge used an EAMS fill-in-the-blanks template to instruct the DEU. The EAMS instruction simply referred to the AME report without identifying any part of the report in particular. The rater then issued a formal recommended rating of a 0% permanent disability. The rater was cross-examined and testified that he had to exercise some judgment and that he mechanically applied the AMA guides to find no rateable permanent disability. The rater claimed that the criteria specified in the AMA guide tables was not met. The work comp judge went ahead and issued a 10% permanent disability award despite what the rater said and the employer petitioned for reconsideration. This was the first opportunity for the WCAB to comprehensively review the respective roles of the evaluating physician, the judge, and the DEU rater since adoption of SB 899. The appeals board specified the following process. First, the physician must assess the injured employee's whole person impairment percentage by a report that sets forth facts and reasoning to support the conclusions and that comports with the AMA guides and case law. Next, the work comp judge frames rating instructions that specifically and fully describe the whole person impairments to be rated. The instructions may ask the rater to offer an expert opinion on what whole person impairments should or should not be rated. Next, the rater issues a recommended permanent disability rating based solely on the formal rating instructions provided by the judge. Unless specifically instructed to do so, the rater has no authority to issue a rating based on the rater's own assessment of whether the whole person impairment ratings referred to in the instructions are based on substantial evidence or are consistent with the AMA guides. The judge is not bound by the rater's recommended permanent disability rating and may elect to independently rate an employee's permanent disability. Finally, in order to avoid any appearance of impropriety, there must not be any ex-party communication between the judge and the assigned rater. In applying these principles, the WCAB found that the information supplied to the EAMS template did not specifically instruct the rater which WPIs to use for each injured body part or alternatively give clear and specific page references from Dr. Peckman's report to the rater. This NBank decision makes it clear that the rater has limited authority and discretion to do anything but follow the instructions provided by the judge. The Court of Appeal ruled that a workers' compensation insurance company does not have any duty to save an injured worker from a mistaken arrest. Here's what happened in the unpublished decision in Rolando Polanco versus Truck Insurance Exchange. Polanco went to Bank of America to cash a check issued by Truck Insurance Exchange as part of his workers' compensation benefits. Bank of America refused to cash the check, claiming it was stolen. 
Polanco's girlfriend contacted Truck and asked them for help with Polanco's problem at the bank. Truck, however, did not contact the bank to inform them of the genuineness of the check. Polanco was then arrested by LAPD and spent several days in jail. He was finally released after Truck belatedly provided information about the check. Polanco sued Truck in Superior Court, seeking tort damages for their inaction in helping him verify this check. Polanco had a neurological seizure disorder caused by previous trauma, and he claimed that the trauma of this incident caused him to have another seizure. The Superior Court sustained a demurrer to Polanco's complaint and dismissed the action against Truck. Polanco then appealed the dismissal. The dismissal was then affirmed by the Court of Appeal. The court held that Truck did not have any duty to communicate with the bank. In considering whether a party has a legal duty in a situation, a distinction is drawn between claims of liability based on misfeasance and nonfeasance. Misfeasance exists when the defendant is responsible for making the plaintiff's position worse. Nonfeasance is found when the defendant has failed to aid plaintiff through beneficial intervention. Liability for misfeasance is based on the general duty of ordinary care to prevent others from being injured by one's conduct. On the other hand, liability for nonfeasance is limited to situations in which there is a special relationship that creates a duty to act. This is often referred to as the no duty to aid rule, which remains a fundamental and long-standing rule of California tort law. As a rule, one has no duty to come to the aid of another. Because Truck was accused of non-feasance and Truck did not have a special relationship with Rolando, they did not owe him a duty to act. The court believed that any benefit of imposing such a duty is outweighed by the heavy burden it would place on companies. The court further noted that because of privacy concerns, workers' compensation insurance companies cannot freely communicate with people claiming to be friends of claimants. The furlough battles between the governor and state fund attorneys continued during oral argument this week before a skeptical court of appeal. This case involves furloughs of all of the fund's employees and a trial judge's order awarding them $25 million in back pay. The governor's attorneys presented oral arguments that the governor is free to reduce work weeks for state fund employees. The lawyer further claimed that the law governing state fund employees is a narrow limitation on the authority of the governor. The governor's attorneys concluded by saying limitations should be interpreted as prohibiting only layoffs and not unpaid furloughs. Justice James Reichman replied that requiring employees to take three days off without pay each month is the equivalent of laying off a seventh of the governor's staff. The state Supreme Court has already agreed to review the governor's authority to furlough 500 lawyers who work for the state fund. The high court may also consider issues in seven other cases in lower courts pertaining to the governor's furloughs. And now our fraud report. 
a former San Francisco Unified School District claims examiner is now in a county jail with bail set at $75,000. Leticia James Corral of Pacifica is facing felony charges of fraudulently dispersing public money. Authorities allege that she gifted more than $76,000 to an injured school district employee while knowing that this was more than the workers' compensation claim was worth. Corral allegedly paid these huge advances, having arranged for the injured worker to loan or give her back half of the money advanced. The injured worker claimed she was unaware of the large discrepancy between what she was paid and the claim's actual worth. According to the worker, she would meet Corral at a bank and cash the permanent disability check and give Corral half of the money. The injured worker further claimed she tried to get in touch with the adjuster several times, attempting to get the money back that had been loaned. Corral never called the injured worker back and never paid back any of the money. Blue Cross and Blue Shield companies reported that they saved more than $510 million in 2009 as a result of their anti-fraud efforts. Anti-fraud investigators prevented over $318 million from being paid to fraudulent claims and $192 million was recovered from amounts already paid on fraudulent and abusive claims. Over 1,000 cases were referred to law enforcement officials. There were 490 arrests and indictments and 355 criminal convictions resulting from the Blue Company's referrals in 2009. One of their important anti-fraud tools was the Explanation of Benefits, or EOB, form. The EOB is a statement sent to covered individuals explaining what medical treatment claims were paid. Unfortunately, California workers' compensation laws and procedures do not require the use of an EOB form. Last year, Senate Bill 156 was introduced in the state Senate to require an EOB as part of the California workers' compensation claims process. The bill was withdrawn in Senate committee. Despite this legislative setback, some self-insured employers such as the Disneyland Resort, Sempra Energy, the cities of Anaheim, Torrance, and Huntington Beach all agreed to voluntarily send an EOB to injured workers indicating what workers' compensation medical benefits have been paid. This gives the workers the opportunity to report back to the employer if they think something was irregular about the medical payment. And now our medical report. A new survey provided some surprising information about the effectiveness of anti-depression drugs. The survey found that older, often less expensive antidepressants known as SSRIs, such as Lexapro, Celexa, Prozac, and Zoloft, work just as well and with fewer side effects than newer, more costly drugs known as SNRIs, such as Cymbalta. SSRIs and SNRIs address depression by altering levels of certain brain chemicals. Both SSRIs and SNRIs were reported by patients to be equally effective in reducing their symptoms of depression. 
when it comes to side effects such as weight gain, sleep disturbance, or sexual dysfunction, SSRIs performed better than more expensive SNRIs. Drug makers spent almost $300 million in 2009 on ads for two of these newer antidepressants, Cymbalta and Prestique. Yet, there is no evidence that newer drugs like Prestique and Cymbalta work any better than older medications in their class. The survey also showed that a combination of therapy and medication works best. Talk therapy offers two advantages over medication, no drug side effects, and talk therapy provides tools you can use over the long term. The study showed that the type of therapist who provided the treatment was not important. Those who saw psychologists, social workers, or licensed professional counselors all reported equal levels of satisfaction. And in regulatory news, the Division of Workers' Compensation has posted an order adjusting the DMEPOS or Durable Medical Equipment, Prosthetics, Orthotics, and Supplies section of the official medical fee schedule to conform to changes in the Medicare payment system. This adjustment is required by Labor Code Section 5307.1. The DWC order is effective for services on or after July 1. The DME POS fee schedule amounts were updated by CMS for 2010 by the percentage increase in the Consumer Price Index. Since the change in the CPI was minus 1.41%, the percentage increase used to update the DME POS fee schedule amounts for 2010 was 0%. CMS also issues instructions for implementing and or updating DME POS payment amounts on a semi-annual basis in January and July with quarterly updates as necessary in April and October. As part of the annual or July update, CMS provides a list of new items that will be subject to the DME POS fee schedule. These new items will be reflected in the July update. That's all our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone or your iPod by searching for WorkComp Academy in the iTunes Store. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd, Karen, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us, and please visit us again next week for more news.